that happen. Nothing about it makes sense unless he was who he said he was. Unless he had all that traction from all the works that he did. My works have the Father's fingerprints all over them. Only a fool could miss them. Verse 37. And then there's the direct witness to Father's works. That's two witnesses. John, the Father's works. There's a direct witness of my Father in heaven whose testimony is unassailable and transcendent. My Father who sent me has borne witness to me directly. At his baptism, the Father in heaven declared, Luke 3, 22 through 23. This is my son, that voice came out of heaven, in whom I am well pleased. Ears, please. Now, John's not to be dismissed by any stretch. He was a mighty prophet of God. He was the lamp of God that was burning for a while and beaming forth the word of God. And many of you were willing to rejoice for a while in that prophetic light. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. Greater, far greater. He's understatement. For the works which my Father has given me to do, which Jesus did repeatedly to accomplish the very works, the mighty wonders that I do, bear silent but invincible witness of me that the Father in heaven has sent me. Why can't you get it? I'm telling you all of this. I'm indicting you that you may be saved. Wake up. The problem is not any lack of sufficient proof that I am who my who, that I am who I claim to be. The problem is your blind eyes and your unwilling ears. It's still a problem. It can be safely said you people do not know God from a bunny rabbit. These were the Jews. They were religious Jews. I'm overstating it. They came to the synagogue with their scrolls. <laughs> they didn't actually you know, under their arm, got all sweat marks. They were so devoted, you know, to the law of God, yet they didn't know dip about it. People still do that in churches. These stunning miracles tell the story about me, and you're unwilling to believe persistently, doggedly, stubborn in your unbelief. But they bear incontestable testimony that my Father in heaven has truly sent me that I am from him, and that I am his son. I am his equal. Irrefutable testimony. Let me get down to brass tacks, Jesus continues. What's the rub with you people anyway? Raised that question last week. Well, I'm going to tell you. The rub is you've got a vacancy right here. A big vacancy. Do you know why people run and chase and do all they do? I'm a people watcher. I watch I watch people all the time. The crazy. The older I get, the wearier I get with it. The problem is when you have that vacancy right down here, you do not have God's word abiding in you. You don't have the love of God abiding in you. And you run and you chase. You go after this and go after that. And people never seem to get over it. Here goes a guy down the road. He looks as old as I am driving a big Porsche, you know, one of those $120,000 cars. I look at him and I say, you still chasing girls? Still 
hey, Jack, get over it. Get over it. And they're doing this, and they're buying a place here and buying a place there. And they're going here and going there all the fun. We're trying to have fun. What's, there's a vacuum in the soul. And it's not God. It's not the love of God. No. You can make an idol of anything. People have to have their idols. Therefore, you do not hear my voice. I've been decorating for Christmas. I'm pretty much pretty much done now. <laughs> and uh, people say, well, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I tell you, if they can put up that culture of death Halloween stuff at 1st of, Jan- of September, I can put up Christmas stuff now. Okay, so I go to do it, and here I've... I don't have a plug-in. Oh, shoot. I don't have a plug-in, so I've got to take that around someplace extend extension cords so I can trip over and kill myself but find some place where I can plug it in if you don't have a plug in there's no use to try it you can sometimes you get these these plug-ins where you the builders didn't actually connect them there's no connection you jerk why did you do that you're causing me problems Jesus says the problem is there's no connectivity I'm telling you where the rub is It's just not there. The reason you can't hear is because you won't hear. And you won't hear because there's no affinity for God in your being. That's the real reason his word's not getting through to you. And it's always been that. God calls out people like me. You probably wish you didn't. But he says, he picks out turkeys. He says that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He does. He picks out some people who are turkeys, he doesn't go out and find people with all the charisma, all the shine and all that kind of stuff. And he decides through his word to use some like me and some like some others I know. <laughs> and he gets all the shine. But you want to know what? The real reason his word doesn't get through is not because of failure up here. It's a lack of connectivity right there. I've seen people come to Christ and some of the preachers and the teachers were pretty sorry, even by my own estimation. And I wonder how in the world, how in the world. In Denver, one time in our church, there was a guy who was the head of NOAA. (laughs) That's a pretty big government agency, isn't it? He and his wife, she was a big deal to the University of Colorado. They both came to Christ. I remember the Sunday they came to Christ. Our pastor has been a wonderful man in my life. He was an interesting guy, but I remember the message. I have no idea how the gospel found its way around the edges on that Sunday and found that man's heart, but it did. The Spirit of God can break through any place he wants to, but a connectivity has to be there. And he'll put it there. There's a way to be intensely religious. But all the inward apparatus is gone. Let that be a warning. Well, Jesus says in verse 41, one reason we're so far apart is that in the quest for glory, I personally, Jesus says, do not receive, that is, look for 
glory, praise, adulation, approval from you. Now let's get that. We're so far apart, you people, myself, because as I go about my father's work, I'm never looking out for your approval. I'm never looking out for your praise. I'm never looking out for you to celebrate me. I'm never looking for your applause. You are constantly doing that with You're in this world and that's what you want. You want applause. You want approval. You want a win. You want a button. You want a, a badge. Well, because you're always looking for that stuff, you miss it. It's a vain pursuit that throws a person off the scent of the proof. You're not fooling me, Jesus says in verse 42. You're on a moral track. Like all people of the world, you see, I know you. Jesus looks them in the eye. You, you Jews, you do not have the love of God in yourself, he repeats again. Religion, yes. Oh, you can have religion all over the place, but just raw love for God. Jesus says it's not there. Verse 43, I have come in my Father's name. You don't receive me. If somebody else would come in their own name, authority, you would receive them. In other words, here's what he's saying. You resist one who comes to you with all the heavenly insignia of God above. Boy, you ought to be all over that like white on rice. Wow. But you don't. You find various excuses to deny my divine being and authority. But strangely, you people, and they were, you are easy dupes for human pretenders who rise up. There was a guy in 130 A.D., Barcoba. You rise up after these people and follow them. Strangely, you go after them. That anomaly right there shows you have a native resistance to the God of Israel, whom you loudly profess to worship. It says in verse 44, how can you believe? Logically, how can you trust in me? when you pursue glory and honor and recognition and acceptance from one another and do not seek the glory of the one and only God rather than pursuing the approval of the living God. What are you chasing after? What do you want? Well, you look at it, get down to the bottom line. That's what most people are doing. I'm not a musician, not even close. Aussie is. But... I watch, I've really seen it in the world of music. You know, there's been a crossover between Christian musicians and secular musicians. I watch them, and they rise on the charts. And the next thing they do, they're crossing over because this little Christian musician, this little girl who used to sing in churches and talk about the love of God and all of that, get tears in her eyes and everybody go like that. Now she's crossed over. And now she's into pure crap. That's what she wanted all along. She was hoping somebody would notice her. And then guys go out there, they're in athletics or something else. That's what they really want. It's all right if they get it, but when they chase it, it's easy just to walk away from the things of God. Jesus says that's what you people are all about. In fact, that's what everybody's all about, just about. 
Do you think I will accuse you in the end? No, I won't. Moses will. You profess to be loyal to Moses. If you believe Moses, you would believe in me, verse 46. That is, Moses in his prophecies and through types and rituals anticipated Jesus the Messiah. And in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said, somebody's going to appear just like me on the model. He was talking about Jesus. But you missed it all. I'm hurrying here a little bit. I've got to go to some takeaways. So let me just reach into all of that and pull out some stuff, some of which I've already said, some of which I haven't already said. When it comes to accountability before God, there are no end runs around Jesus. He said, I've quoted it already in the Lord's table, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. I've repeated that a thousand times in my ministry, maybe more. I say it here as Wanda, who will give account to God for what I say and don't. There's no way around Jesus, ultimately. The question will be, what did you do with my son, you? What did you do with Jesus? Don't expect to come before the throne and say, well, God, I, I kind of liked you. I don't know about him. That's not going to fly. What would you do with my son? His credentials as Lord and Savior incontestable. Look at the evidence. His teaching, his works, his love on the cross. He died for your sins and for mine. Can you imagine the agony, his humiliation coming to earth as a man and being stepped on and spit all over. His impact, there's nothing to compare to it. The Father in heaven is going to see that every man and woman on this planet, whoever, wherever, I know there's some side questions. We can answer those, but not here. He's not going to let you trample on the blood of his son. He's not going to allow that to happen. What did you do with my son, Jesus? No end runs. Secondly, I mentioned this. Even his blistering judgment is gracious. And it's for the salvation of sinners who might hear and be saved. We had, you know, coaches. I think in terms of coaches, there are other things. I remember one time in college, I was a sophomore, and this was, this was the day I earned my jersey and got first team. It was hot, 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 hot. It was a miserable day, sweat all over us. And they called my play, and I went this way, and the guards were slow like buffalo. They were slow and they didn't move out. I didn't have a hole, so I went flip, this way and went the distance. All right, this was for my football salvation. 
I got back to the huddle, and the coach was there. Never will forget. That's a good example. Jimmy, that was good, son. Judas Priest, though, stop, son, and wait for your blocking. I didn't tell him, Coach, if I waited for my blocking, I'd be dead. <laughs> anyway, but yelling at me, I thought he'd be going like that. No, he was yelling at me. He was right. He was right. That was the way the game. Yelling at me was for my football salvation because I wouldn't have that jersey long if I forgot that lesson. That's the way it is. Coaches in the military, some of you have been in the military. I never was. Probably should have been. Anyway, they yell at the troops and do things like that. It's for their salvation. When they get in combat, they can't wait for you to stop and talk. Do whatever seems stupid and do it now. And they yell at you and get right in your face. I don't know whether they do it in this woke generation or not. But anyway, it's that kind of thing. Sometimes mom or dad will yell at you. I know I've I uh, yelled at Aussie the other day. I did. There were she had been kind of sleeping in her chair in the other room, and I went to the bottom of the steps. And there's been a cougar loose in our general area, and I thought first of all I saw it wasn't. I thought I saw a cougar, but then there were two deer out there, real close, and we see them quite often. I said, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Well, she finally came to the top of the stairs. She was a little bleary-eyed. And I said, shh, shh. <laughs> and she's up the top of the stairs. Honey, what do you want? <laughs> well, eventually I got her down there, and she may have seen the back end of one. And I was so disappointed, so I said, honey, it's universal sign language all over the globe. When you do this, you're saying, be quiet, be quiet. And when I'm doing this, your top of the stairs come down. And she wanted to know what I got all excited about. I said, well, this was not that big a deal, but someday there may be an emergency. And I need you to be quiet. And I need you to move and move. Need you to move now, now, not next week. Come on down. So that's what I'm concerned about. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Now, next, takeaway. The root of all unbelief, including everything in Lake Oswego and environs. The root of all unbelief. Just a minute. Is a lack of the love of God in our hearts. The root of unbelief is internal. The blame is always on the human side of the unbelief equation. There's moral antipathy or hostility to God and his word. Let humans mask it any way they please. The real problem is a hostile heart to God. Always is. It was then. It is now. And that we got to give account for. Jesus, next, is the litmus test of any person's profession of love for God. A lot of people are religious in a sort of way. But your relationship to Jesus tells what's really the... Okay, it's not me falling, Mark. My watch fell off. 
the Son and the Father are morally morally identical. Next, takeaways. If someone has no appetite for Jesus, it's because they have no taste for the true and living God or vice versa. They're just blowing smoke. Jesus said, look, told his disciples as he anticipated them going out of the world, I want to tell you something. If they will listen to me, they will listen to you. And he told them also vice versa. They listen to you, they'll listen to me. I've taken great comfort in them. I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I am no inspired speaker. Some of you can say, well, I can really affirm that. <laughs> I'm no inspired person. But this applies to me, applies to John, applies to David or anybody else you hear speak, or anywhere, any church. If that teacher, that pastor, so long as what they're saying, if it aligns with and is agreeable to the word of God, it's just like you're hearing from Jesus himself. And if you say, somebody says, well, I don't like that guy. I mean, I don't like the way he holds his mouth. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way he faints during a service. (laughs) I don't like any of that. Well, You've got to understand, if it's your Sunday school teacher, insofar as what they're teaching and saying is aligned with the Word of God, aligned with Christ, it's like you are hearing from Him. So when people don't want the truth, it's because they have no taste for the truth. You cannot go cherry-picking. Well, I'll take that. I won't take that. If it's the truth, it's the truth just blowing smoke to say that we we love God and we love his word. Finally, when people don't want the truth, listen, say it very carefully. When people don't want the truth, as these people Jesus was talking to didn't, God will withdraw that truth. Let me say it again. That's his tendency. When a person doesn't want the truth, here's the, when that wall is up, here's the problem. I warn you, there will come a point when God will probably, I said probably, I can't say absolutely, but I'm going to show you an example. When God will just simply withdraw the truth. First you wouldn't hear, now you can't hear. First you wouldn't see, now you can't see. First you wouldn't be moved, now you can't be moved. Well, we're going through that in this country right now. Let's go to Amos chapter 8 verse 11. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord to Amos. When I'll send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That finally came to Israel. It's already here and present in the United States of America. I could remember a day, wind this up in a minute, when I was a boy, 
And I was a boy once. I can remember sitting in churches. I can remember what then were held is okay for the time revival meetings. And I could remember people sitting there. A lot of unbelievers would come out to those services. I could see white knuckles. They were holding onto their bench. They were under such conviction. You know, today, during most of my ministry, I hardly ever, when I'm speaking, look out there and see a person that I can identify as a person who is really under the conviction of the Spirit. Now, that observation doesn't prove a whole lot, but it tells me the times are different, and these are not days of harvesting. There's an extraordinary resistance to the truth. Extraordinary. These are days of gleaning. People are coming to Christ. But whenever I hear stories, well, we started this church on such and such a date. Eight weeks later, we had 8,000 people. 4,000 of them came to Christ. I look at that and I say, not happening, something's wrong there. Because the truth doesn't have much of a market these days. People won't hear the truth, then they come to a point where they can't hear the truth, and these Jews had come to that point. And they went the distance, and shortly, 40 years later, they suffered a horrendous judgment. Somebody asked me, do you think, do you think, that I get this question all the time, do you think these are the last days, I mean, in a sense, that the coming of Christ is just around the corner? You think God's going to judge America? Got one of those Friday from our listener in Pittsburgh, the final word. God's already judging America. We're not waiting for the day to open up and the clouds burst, burst with judgment. That day may come. God's already judging our country. If we can't see it, we're pretty blind. We wouldn't hear. Now we can't hear. Be careful about that. Make sure your heart, your ears, your eyes are open to what the Spirit of God is saying. And even if it's heavy words of judgment, it's for your salvation. Wake us up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his coming and all that he did for us. We thank you, our Father, for his words of grace, his words of judgment. It's all intended to draw us into your saving arms. We pray if any man or woman here does not know our Lord Jesus Christ, they may understand our Heavenly Father that what they need to do is repent. That's the first motion of faith and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and have life and have life more abundantly and have life everlastingly. We ask it in the name of the Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to close with one last song of of praise before the Lord. Um, And as we do, as we do, um, the ushers are going to pass around an offering plate. Um, This is just for the the regular offering this morning. Um, And if you're just visiting with us, uh, don't feel 
obligated to, to leave anything. We're just glad to have you. Um, you certainly can if you would like, but this is mainly for us as a body to just uh, uh, entrust a little bit from what God has provided to us back to him. It's an act of, an act of trust and an act of, of worship, really. And, uh, and so, but as we sing this last song and, and pass that offering plate around, I also just want to remind you guys that because it is a communion Sunday, there's actually two offerings today. There's the regular offering, but there's also the deacon's fund offering, which goes to help um, people who are in need within this body, people who come to us from outside, um, and they, they need some kind of financial assistance. There's a process there. And with that, that's what those funds go for, is to minister to people in a real, tangible way here at Lake um, or in the surrounding area. And, uh, and so let's pray over those, those offerings, and then we'll close with worship. Heavenly Father, we, just, uh, we entrust these, these tithes, these gifts, and offerings to you, Lord. And in, in particular with the Deacon's Fund, um, Father, we know that uh, this is a, a means by which your love and your providence can just be made manifest in, in a 